Well, if you weren't here last week, we started a series, a new series for the new year. We've titled Reset. And the word reset is defined this way, to set, adjust, or fix in a new or different way. And if there was ever a time for a reset in life, I I believe that the new year is certainly an appropriate time for that. Because there is something about the new year that makes us think about adjustments and necessary uh, changes to improve our lives. But I think we all agree that, that the really, it's really the stuff that's on the inside of us that is the most difficult to change. And how as Christians, we are indeed in an ongoing transformation process. Not one of us has yet arrived to our spiritual ultimate destination because we are all a work in progress. Can I hear an amen on that? So the point of this series is simple. In order to change, in order to be truly transformed, we must renew our minds. And uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 has been our scripture reference with the focus being on verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Only when our minds are renewed are we in a position to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in our lives. This morning, I want to talk about your destiny, because I believe God's will for your life and your destiny go hand in hand. And yet many people misinterpret destiny, so much so that they're in need of a reset or a renewing of their mind regarding their destiny. Many people believe that, uh, that their destiny is an unalterable conclusion that you cannot change, that you cannot control. They say things like, well, it's a matter of fate or, or, or God just determines your destiny, whether it be good or bad, and it's gonna happen no matter what. And really, I don't believe anything could be further from the truth because the Bible teaches very two important truths, two very important truths about your destiny. First of all, God's destiny for your life is good. Like what Anthony said this morning, we have a joyful God. He is a good God, and his destiny for your life is good. And the reason that I am pointing this out is because some people erroneously believe that their destiny is both predetermined and it can be a bad thing. But let me show you a scripture that I believe says just the opposite. It was a scripture that I shared with you at the opening of last week's service in Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God says, the destiny that I have planned for you and your future is a good one. You may have had a a terrible or a painful past, but the truth is your story isn't over. The movie of your life has not come to its conclusion. God says, my plan for your life is a good plan, and I'm going to prosper you, and I'm going to give you hope, and I'm going to give you a future. And please, when I say prosper, do not take on the mindset of those that follow the prosperity doctrine and think that God is going to make you monetarily rich. He may. That's not his purpose. That's not his goal. It means he is going to prosper you 
in every area of your life. What does prosper mean? It means to succeed. It means to flourish. It means to thrive. It means to grow. So this prospering applies to your spiritual life, your family life, your relationships, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your visions. Here's the second truth about your destiny. You get to choose your destiny. Did you know that? In fact, you can totally miss the good destiny God has planned for you because it's not automatic. It's not just going to happen. You must choose your destiny. And this morning, I want to share with you an event, a story from the scriptures that clearly lays out these two truths. First, God's destiny for your life is a good one. And secondly, you get to choose your destiny. Our story is found way back in the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. In fact, go ahead and turn there to Deuteronomy chapter 30. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be up on the screens and you can follow along. We're going to be looking at a moment in history when Joshua leads the children of Israel into the promised land. Israel has been slaves in Egypt for 400 years. But as you know, God raised up Moses. He sent him to Pharaoh to seek their release. It wasn't at all an easy proposition, but ultimately, through a series of different plagues, Pharaoh decided to let the Jews simply walk out of Egypt with no bloodshed. So now, they are crossing the desert, a journey from Egypt to Israel that should have taken 11 days to walk, and it wound up taking them 40 years. So what happened? Well, after about two weeks, they arrived at the border of the land of Canaan, the land that God had promised him, thus the name, the promised land. And they decided to send out 12 spies to survey the land and the people who inhabited that land. 10 of the spies came back with a negative report. This is what they said. In essence, we can't do this. There are just too many tribes who are already inhabiting this place. They're, they're too big. In fact, we're like grasshoppers in their eyes. We can't do it. But then two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they came back and said just the opposite. They said, we can do this. This land is ours for the taking, just as God has promised to us. But sadly, as often happens, majority rules. And because they were afraid to step in to their destiny, they instead spent 40 years wandering aimlessly in the desert. Well, in this passage that we are about to read, Moses is nearing death. He's 120 years old, and he has mentored this younger man named Joshua. Joshua is going to replace Moses and will actually be the one who leads them across the Jordan River and into the promised land. But right before this happens, this is where God makes it very clear that your destiny is your choice. Deuteronomy chapter 30, we'll start with verse 15, 15 and 16. I'm reading from the NIV. The Lord says, see, I set before you today life and prosperity death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. He says, I set before you today uh, life and prosperity, or death and destruction. 
This is the destiny that, that we get to choose, ladies and gentlemen. If you love the Lord your God, and you walk in obedience to him, and you keep his commands, you will live and you will increase, and the Lord will bless you. How many of you would like to live the kind of the life where God makes clear to you, you're gonna really live, and I'm going to increase whatever you do, and you'll be blessed by me? Hello? That should be unanimous. If you're not, there's something wrong with you. I'm sorry. God says it's your choice. Because he goes on to say in verses 17 and 18, but, there's always a but. If you turn, if your hearts turn away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and to possess. He says you can put all the work into it you want, but it isn't gonna matter a hill of beans if you turn your hearts away from me, the one true God. He continues in verse 19. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. He says, here are the choices. Life and death, blessings or curses. Now choose life so that you and your children might live. Now I want you to notice two things about this powerful passage that, that we've just read. First of all, God had already prepared a destiny for the children of Israel. He said, I've already chosen this land for you. I promise it to you. Secondly, God told the children of Israel that they were going to have to possess it. In other words, I'm not just going to hand it to you on a silver platter. You're going to have to possess it. He says, make the choice because the choice that you make will affect your future destiny. So as we talk about destiny today, I wanna to begin by asking you a question. What is the most important decade of your life? I would suggest to you this morning, should the good Lord tarry, that the next 10 years are gonna be the most critical 10 years of our life. Some of you are going to get married. Some of you will retire. We will have second graders in this church who will be graduating from high school. We have sixth graders who will be graduating from college. Some of us will lose loved ones. Inevitably, we will lose precious members from this body of believers. A lot of things are going to happen in the next 10 years. So again, I say that the next 10 years is the most critical decade of our life. Therefore, it is with great urgency that we talk about possessing your destiny. I believe it is important for us to prepare for the future that God wants you to have and to make sure that you are choosing life rather than death and that you are choosing blessings rather than curses. If you want to possess your destiny and do what God created you to do, if you wanna be what God made you to be and have everything that God wants you to have, you're gonna to have to take three essential steps. There are three things that God lays out before Joshua and the children of Israel in order to make them have success 
in possessing the promised land. And I hope this morning that you are all interested in success because what's the alternative? Failure. God did not create us to be a failure. He wants to make you succeed in this life, but it's not automatic, folks. It never is. You have to make the proper choices. So here's the first thing God instructs Joshua to do in order to possess his destiny. Step number one, you must prepare a plan. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? You gotta prepare a plan. We are told that the future belongs to those who plan for it. The old cliche, I think, still stands true today. If you fail to plan, you are planning to fail. And when you read the scriptures, you will often see plans taking place. You'll see plans and preparations being made as people of God pursue what God has called them to do. Well, in our story, we're going to see God laying out a success plan for Joshua. So please turn to the next book in the Old Testament, the book of Joshua. We're going to be reading from chapter 1, and I will be starting with verse 1. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. God's being very specific here about outlining the borders of his destiny. And notice there are two things God says in this, in order to prepare. He says to Joshua, there are two things in order to prepare and to go after your destiny. He says in verse second, verse number two, excuse me, he says, Moses, my servant is dead. In other words, things have changed. We've got to now move ahead, Joshua. We can no longer focus on the past. Your destiny lies ahead of you and not behind you. You can no longer dwell on the things that happened in the past under Moses' leadership. You've got to move forward now in the leadership that I have given to you. I believe what God is implying here is that there are things from our past that we need to forget about. There are things from our past that, that we need to bury. Because here's the truth. If you're like most people, you have a tendency to allow your past to define you. You allow things from your, your past to mess up your future. Mistakes and, and embarrassments and failures are holding you back from your destiny. It's costing you way too much and you cannot get on with your destiny if you're always thinking about what happened in the past. So God says to Joshua, Moses is dead. That era is over. And please let me make this very clear. Just because one of those eras in your life is over doesn't mean that your destiny is over. You are simply in a new era of life. Secondly, God says in verse two, get ready, I want you to underline that, to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm giving you. In other words, you gotta plan out your destiny. Notice how specific 
the plan that God gives him is. He says in verse four, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the West. That, in my opinion, is a very specific plan. So as we talk about the next 10 years being the most important 10 years of your life, where do you wanna be in 10 years? Well, here's the reality. You are either going to pursue your destiny or you're gonna drift. We Americans are so blessed. We have so much. But because of all of the good that we experience and our assumption that that good is just always going to continue and, and we start to think that this is as good as it ever gets, because of that, we have this habit of becoming masters of the drift. This is why planning is so important because if you don't have a destiny planned out that you are moving toward, well, simply stated, you're just gonna drift through the next decade. So we must stay focused and we must must have a plan on pursuing God's will in our lives. And that means pursuing God, by the way, not just his will. When you pursue God, as you'll find out his will. Let's continue on to Joshua 1, 10 and 11. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, the leaders in other words, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. Take notice, God says, the promised land is your destiny, but you are going to have to take possession of it. I'm not just going to hand it to you. You've got to go in and you've got to possess it. He says, prepare your provisions. In other words, get your supplies ready. Pack your bags because this is really going to happen. So have you packed your bags for your next decade? Or are you just going to drift through another one? Have you made any plans to where you want to be 10 years from today? Where you want to be, what you want to do with your family, with your finances, with your career, most importantly, with your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I love Psalm 24. It's, it's, it's a prayer that says, may he, God, give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. And here's what I take from that verse. How can God make your plans succeed if you've never made any plans? It tells me that God is waiting on you and I. He says, I set before you today life and prosperity or death and destruction. I'm giving you a choice, destiny or drift. So again, the question is, do you have a plan? Do you? Most people have spent more time planning for their vacation than they have spent planning for their lives. Many couples spend far more time planning the actual wedding ceremony than they have planned for their ongoing life together as husband and wife. And yet the wedding day is over in a day, a half a day, while while you've got the rest of your life to live in, in, in harmony for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. We've got 70 marriages of 70 years in this church. In business, you have to write a business plan. You've got to set up budgets. You've got to do this. But very few people do this regarding their life's destiny. Well, Pastor David, how can I 
have a plan that succeeds. How can I see success in the next 10 years? I think the answer is found in Proverbs 16.3. It says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Did you know that was in the Bible? That sounds like success to me. I don't know about you. And as your pastor, I'm committed to your success. I'm com- I pray for your success. I pray for your healing. I pray for your marriages. I pray for your financial lives and any other requests that are made known to me, I pray about. But part of my job is also to help you be the success that God meant for you to be by fulfilling the destiny God has for you. And the way you do that is right here. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and then your plan will succeed. In other words, you make your plans, but then you surrender your plans over to the Lord. You say, Lord, this is the best I can do, and now I'm surrendering them over to you so that you can see that these will become a reality in my life. So step one, you are to prepare a plan. But here's step two. You must build your life completely on God's word. And I'm talking about the word of God being your very foundation of life. It's gotta be the structure of your life. Just like with a home, it's all about the structure. It's all about the the foundation. I must build my life completely in and around and through the written word of God. I must become a person of the word. God says, if you're going to be successful in the destiny I have planned for you, you've got to get in the word and not just study it. But as Joshua 1 through 7 says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my, my servant Moses gave you and do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. How many of you would like to have success wherever you go? Well, look at verse eight. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that, it may be care- so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And here's the promise. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This passage is the key to success, ladies and gentlemen. It's all right here. God's will is in God's word. If you want to know what God's will for your life will be in the next 10 years, here it is. God's will is in God's written word. The more your life is filled with the scriptures, the more your life will be successful in the way that God intended you to be successful. And look at the ways that we can input his word into our life. First, he says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. In other words, let it lead you. Let it be the first thing that you reference in any and all situations going on in your life. Then he says, meditate on it night and day. That means seriously think about it and and, and take some time to study it. Then he says, be careful to do everything written in it. One translation says, be careful to obey. And here's the promise. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God says, if you do these things, if you hear, if you read, if you study, if you memorize, if you meditate, you will be successful in the destiny I have prepared for you. The key here is to do these things. 
Notice he also says in Joshua 1.7, do not turn from it to the right or left that you may be successful wherever you go. What does that mean? He's saying don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted. Just do what the Bible tells you to do. Don't, don't do what your friends say. Don't do what popular culture encourages you to do. Don't even do what your emotions tell you to do. Because how many know your emotions will get you into a lot of trouble? Do what the Bible says so that you may be successful. Another psalm I love is, is found in Psalm 34.10. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Did you know that that verse was in the Bible? People will often ask, why am I lacking some good things in my life, Pastor David? Well, it's because you're not seeking the Lord as your primary source. He's saying, don't seek fame. Don't seek wealth or success or comfort, the approval of people. Why? Because those who seek the Lord will lack no good thing. When you are earnestly seeking God and he becomes your number one priority in life, I believe that God notices that. Matthew 6.33 says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Listen, if you seek anything beside the Lord, I can't find anywhere in the scriptures where you will be guaranteed success in this life. Certainly there are a lot of non-believers who are successful in the world's eyes. They're successful financially and that's about it. But if you, you look past the curtain and you looked into their personal lives, their relationships, they are, I, I guess I can't say that about everybody, but so many of them are deeply broken. They got money, but they live in misery because they don't know the love of the Father. But God says, if you seek my kingdom first, all these other things will be added to you. So stop seeking everything else and begin to make seeking God your daily goal, because then the Lord will take care of everything else in your life. You don't have to worry about that other stuff. He will make it happen for you. So step one, you got to prepare a plan. Step number two, you must build your life completely around the written word of God. And step three, and this is the hardest of all, you must courageously step out in faith. It's interesting, while the Israelites are getting ready to cross the Jordan, and enter into the promised land, you'll see three times in Joshua chapter one where God says this phrase, be strong and courageous. Why did God have to repeat that three times for Joshua while he's getting ready to possess his future, to enter into his destiny? I'll tell you what I think. I believe that God knew Joshua was intimidated about taking over for his predecessor, Moses. I mean, how would you like to follow Moses and all of his leadership and all of his popularity? After all, Moses led the children of Israel out of slavery from Egypt. He was a hero. He was an icon. He was the literal face of the Israelites. Joshua has some, some huge shoes to fill. I mean, who wouldn't be a little bit scared by that proposition? So God says, Joshua, Moses is dead, but I'm not. I'm the same God who did the miracles through Moses. And furthermore, I can do them through you if you will simply step out in faith and you will trust me. 
I also believe that God told Joshua to be strong and courageous because he knew Joshua was going to have to fight for his destiny. And here's the truth, church. You are always gonna have to fight for your destiny. It is never a cakewalk. It isn't just given to you and put on your lap. You're gonna have to fight sometimes. In fact, the life that God has planned for you most certainly will include two things, battles and blessings. You can count on it. And you're gonna experience both of them. Why? Because God is preparing you for even a greater destiny than what you'll do and be on this earth. He is preparing you for your eternal destiny in heaven. And those battles that seemed so hard at the time and that you would rather not have to deal with, they're teaching you. They are preparing you for your destiny and that you're gonna have to fight for it. You see, Joshua knows that the land that they are about to possess is inhabited by seven different nations. And every one of them is larger and stronger than Israel. Every one of them has trained armies while Israel has no army at all. So you can begin to see why he might be a bit frightened. Joshua knows that the minute they cross the Jordan River into Canaan, it will be considered an act of war by all of these other seven nations. He knows he is going to spend the rest of his days in battles. And he did. But he also experienced many blessings. You're going to have battles and you're going to have blessings in life. So quickly, let me give you three reasons why you must be strong, why you must be courageous as you go after God's destiny for your life. Number one reason is simple. God is with you. God says in Joshua 1.5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, I know that God will be with me every step of the way over the next 10 years. Again, should he tarry? What I don't know is exactly the, th the things that I'm going to be going through. But here's something that I do know. No matter what I'm going through, God is going to be there with me. So I'm going to go for it because God's with me. Reason number two to be strong and courageous in going after your destiny, God always keeps his promises. That gives me a lot of boldness. Look at verse six. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. God promised the land and he came through. And by the way, God always comes through on his promises. Reason number three, to be strong and courageous and go after your destiny. God has told you to go after your destiny. Verse nine, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Understand what he's saying. If, if, if I tell you to do it and if I promise that I'll be with you and keep my promises, then what possibly do you have to fear? This was my idea, God says, in the first place. I give you this land. But I want you to notice in verse nine, there are two words, afraid and discouraged. 
Those words are two enemies that keep you from fulfilling your destiny, fear and discouragement. Why is that? Because fear keeps you from starting and discouragement keeps you from finishing. It's that simple. Fear keeps you from starting on the path that God has presented to you while discouragement, it keeps you from finishing and possessing the promised land. I want you to keep in mind while all this was happening, it was in the springtime. And springtime is flood season for the Jordan River. It can become a mighty raging river. Most of the year, the Jordan River isn't that impressive. But now Joshua has to move a million people across that raging river. And and you know, when you think about it, this is kind of a reoccurring theme for the Israelites. The children of Israel were always having water problems. First, there was too much water in the Red Sea, so God had to split it so that they could walk through it. Secondly, they ran out of water while they were wandering aimlessly in the desert, so God tells Moses to strike the rock, and water comes out of it. Now, they come up on another water problem, crossing the Jordan River. So they're probably expecting the Lord to part the Jordan River too, but God seldom does things the same way. God loves variety. Have you ever figured that out yet? Just look down your road, the people sitting to your left and right. Is there anybody else there that looks like you? God never does the same thing twice. So all the miracles that God has done in this body of believers called High Point Assembly over the past almost 100 years of our rich history, well, he's not gonna do anything the same way he did before. He's got some new miracles to perform. He has ways of doing things that nobody has even heard of or thought of, and it's gonna blow your mind. So God reminds Joshua and the Israelites about the time when they were back standing in front of the Red Sea. The sea was behind them, and they were facing the Egyptian army that was charging at them with chariots. God said, you stood there and you waited until I parted the sea, and then you walked through. But this time, I want you to start walking in the water, and as you're walking, I will intervene. So Joshua says, okay, let's, let's put the priests out front. <laughs> I love his approach. We'll sacrifice these guys, they're just pastors. So all the pastors are out front. I can see myself with some of the guys down in Sacramento way at one of our meetings, and we're, we're walking into the water. <laughs> we get up to our ankles. Water's kind of cold. Then it gets up to our knees, and we keep walking. Now it's up to our waist. <gasps> then it's up to our chest. Okay, God, you said if we got in the water, you were gonna do something about this. I'm sure they're thinking, any time, Lord. Make this happen. The Bible says it was when they got in the water is when God stopped the river miraculously 17 miles upstream and the waters began to recede. Here's the point of the story, folks. And please write this down. The the first step is always the scariest. It can be terrifying. It can hold you in, in a headlock for so long if you allow it. And the reason it is so scary is because maybe you don't have any past assurance that comes from past experiences. 
Maybe you've never had an experience where you've miraculously seen God do something in your life that's going to be a miracle. But let me tell you what you do have. What you have is God saying, I'm going to be with you. I give you my personal promise that I will do what I say I'm going to do. And I'm commanding you to step out in faith. So you were relying on these promises that haven't even happened yet and not your past experiences. Truly, the first step is always the scariest. So let me ask you, what is your Jordan River this morning? What's that big thing, that big hurdle that you've got to cross in order to reach your destiny, the destiny that God has planned for you? What's it going to take for you to finally take that first step of faith? What is it that is keeping you in the desert? And how long do you plan to stay in the desert? Listen, I came to you to tell you on this third Sunday of January 2023 that God is just waiting for some of you to step out in faith to prove to you his kindness, his faithfulness, and his commitment to you. He will show you your destiny. He will show you how to experience it. Scott, will you come forward and help me to close this down? I want to close this morning by reading to you some names in the Bible. Shaphat, Palti, Gadiel, Emil. Anybody know those names? Sether, Nabi, Gul, Igel, Gadi, Shamua. I think he's in SeaWorld. I just read to you the names of the 10 spies that went out to survey the promised land. They were the 10 who came back with a negative report. They all said, we can't do this. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. There's no way we can possess this land. But the point I want to make is today, we don't recognize their names. Because nobody remembers people who say they can't. We only remember the people who trusted God and who said, we can do this. If God be for me, who can be against me? Joshua and Caleb were the only two who were allowed to live long enough to enter into the promised land. And as we begin this new year, I am praying that God will raise up men and women just like Joshua and Caleb right here at High Point Assembly. People who will believe and trust that God can do the kinds of things that others say cannot be done. People who believe that reaching 10% of this city for the kingdom of God is not only an attainable goal, but might even be too small of a goal. People who believe that their Christianity is more than just a name or more than a title, but a calling, a license from God to go out and do the very things he has asked us to do. You see, it's not about who we think we are. It's about who do we think and know that God is. And God is calling us to cross the Jordan River. I'd like for all of you who can to stand to your feet as we respond to this message today. So in this first, this, uh, first month of 2023, 
The question becomes, are you going to move forward? Are you going to drift for another 365 days of your life? I believe there are people in this room who really haven't been thinking about your destiny. You think that it's already been set for you. You think you're living in it right now. You think it's cast in concrete and it, and it cannot change, but it's just not true. God has plans for you that you'll never experience unless and until you release your fears and you put your trust fully and completely and totally and explicitly into him. And please understand when I talk about your destiny, it is very easy for you to think that I'm thinking about my life, that I went from being a businessman to going into full-time ministry, but I'm not talking about that at all. I think a lot of pastors come across in their messages like, you're, you're all called into full-time ministry. I know you're not. God calls certain people to, to, to full-time ministry, and, he called, and, and, and some he does not call, but he calls all of us to serve. He calls all of us to do something for his kingdom. God has plans for you that, that you won't experience unless you trust him. You have a God-given destiny right where you are, in your current line of work, with your family, with your acquaintances, as a man or woman of God. God wants to use you. He wants to, to develop you, to grow us into a mighty force for his kingdom right where we are in this community. And I want to open up this altar today to anyone who might be courageous enough to say, I'm not going to drift any longer. I've drifted too many years. I've gotten nowhere. I'm, I'm right where I started five years ago and I haven't moved ahead. I'm going to move into my God-given destiny. I'm going to take that much needed leap of faith. Please don't allow the enemy to keep you bound in the shackles of fear any longer. And, and by all means, don't allow your belief that Jesus is coming to take us home any day to prevent you from pursuing your God-given destiny. Because none of us know when that day will be. It could be tomorrow, it could be in an instant today, it could be 10 years from now, and here's the deal. If you do nothing, and if you just sit and drift, you will have wasted the most important decade of your life, should the Lord tarry. So you must seek out what God has planned for you and begin the adventure of your life for no matter how long or how short that amount of time is. So today, once more, God has brought to our attention our need to move forward and quit allowing the status quo to rule our days. Don't be afraid to go deeper in your relationship with the Lord. Many of you are just scratching the surface on God's ability and desire for your life to be dramatically transformed as well as your circumstances to change. Don't be afraid to go deeper in your relationship with him. Will you let the word of God become your, your direction, your compass in life for everything? Then, when you do that, you will take the needed step of faith and God will see you through. God is here this morning, folks. 
He is trying desperately to get our attention, trying to bring change to each one of our lives. The question is, will we let him? If you're here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can do so today. The Bible says in order, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All you need to do is pray a simple prayer. Tell Jesus you believe he's the son of God, that he came and he died on the cross for your sin. The blood that he shed atones or covers your sin, wipes away your sin. Ask him to be the Lord of your life and you will start on a new life. The Bible says that that he is faithful and just and he will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And that's where you start on finding out where your destiny is. And I guarantee you, your life will be nothing like it was before. And if you're here today and you already know Jesus, won't you come to this altar as your first step of pursuing your destiny in Christ Jesus? While the worship team sing, let's spend some time seeking the Lord and his destiny and his will for our lives while the worship team sings. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace. My fears relieved. How precious in that grace appeared. The hour I first believed. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The Lord has promised. Amazing grace, your amazing grace, my chains are gone. 
at the altar continue to pray and they can stay here as long as they'd like I'm going to do a closing prayer if you bow your heads with me please precious father we thank you for your word thank you for your promises thank you for your strength and power that you give us that uh, changes everything father I pray for my church family and everyone that is here today that we would truly seek your destiny in our lives every single day, that we would turn our lives completely over to you, not just in parts of our life, but in totality, who we are, every fiber, every every piece of us, God, we give to you and we trust you with us in our lives and what it is that you want to do. So Father, help us to be bold, to take that first step, whatever it is, as you reveal it to us, that we would step out in faith and trust in you completely because your promises are always true. You always make good on your promises. And God, we just tend to put on the brakes. We tend to sit back and and get comfortable. I pray against that spirit of comfortableness, Lord God. Make us uncomfortable until we act and move in the directions that you want us to go and allow you to use us in ways that we never dreamed possible. Father, I pray for this body of believers that we will continue to be a bright light in this community that people would look at this church on a hill and say, those people love the Lord. And those people know what it's like to live for the Lord. And God, I pray that you would help us in our ministries to reach out to greater portions of this community and and different groups and and that this would be an all-inclusive church, a come-as-you-are kind of a church, that we would invite anyone through these doors who wants you, Father, in their life, and that we would disciple them and, and help them in their Christian journey. Use us all in our own unique way. You've given all of us gifts and talents and abilities, and we sometimes just bury those talents in the ground like the, like the story in the Bible. When you want us to take it out, you want us to multiply it. And so, God, I pray that you use each one of us in the mighty name of Jesus. And, Father, as we go our separate ways, I pray that you would, your Holy Spirit would go with us, guiding, directing our steps places we go, the conversations that we have, the things we do. Father, the conversations would build people up and not tear them down. Father, we would be bright lights in a dark world that desperately needs Jesus. And Father, that uh, you would give us opportunities to share your goodness with other people. I ask that uh, until we meet together again, you keep us safe from sickness and disease. Keep us safe from any accidents that might befall us. And as we go, Father, let us go in love. And I ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. Thank you for being here today.